Well, as many of you will remember, we remain within the final discourse in John's Gospel. Uh, basically, kind of dispute about whether it begins in John 13 or John 14. Uh, I, I lean probably towards 13 for whatever it's worth, and, and goes through 17. So by far, it is Jesus' longest continuous discourse or teaching to his disciples uh, within John's Gospel. And uh, in many ways, the final instruction uh, that Jesus is offering to these by the time he is uh, delivering it, 11 that remain there in the upper room as the shadow of the cross uh, continues to lengthen. Uh, and uh, I, I, I still kind of like the, the suggestion that there's this almost flow of consciousness a feeling there, kind of like uh, dropping a kid off at college and you're trying to... Uh, get out all of these last little bits of information. You know, please remember this. Oh yeah, I also need to make sure you you know this or that or, or whatever. There, there, there's kind of that that sense within this discourse in John. You'll remember that he opened by demonstrating service and humility and washing the disciples' feet, making himself uh, their servant and encouraging them to do the same, giving the mandate. To love one another as I have loved you. He goes on as uh, uh, the chapter 14 opens up. <clears throat> saying that he's going to prepare a place for them. Telling them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We talked about the, the, uh, uh, the, the way that he instituted involved a life spent trusting in him. And learning to depend and know Jesus. And then he moves on, at least in, in, in the uh, portions we've taken, he moved on to reminding them that he was not leaving them as orphans. He was leaving them being indwelled by the Spirit. In some ways, in some ways it is, a, uh, it is a, uh, uh, a, a, an advancement uh, of their closeness to Jesus, as opposed to Jesus potentially being present physically with them, Instead, he's saying his spirit will come and indwell them, live within them. As the old saying goes, but wait, there's more, right? In, uh, in uh, John, uh, John's discourse that he recorded. Familiar passage, I think, probably at least in part. This is, again, part of that discourse. Another thing, right? Jesus wanted to make sure the disciples knew and remembered. From John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it, it, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you 
bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I think, at least probably for me, growing up in a state where agriculture is important, although not maybe as much now in Kansas City, Kansas, uh, as much as uh, other parts of our state where wheat is grown, there would be uh, many uh, folk in western Kansas where if there was uh, some sort of a uh, agrarian reference, there would be immediate recognition. You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I've done this, or I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, we don't have too many vineyards in Kansas. There are a few. In fact, there's one out in Baser, I think, that uh, has, has grown quite a bit. But as the 11 disciples who were remaining in the room, as Jesus gave this kind of object lesson, there would be immediate recognition, both of kind of in the present moment, and being able maybe even to look out a window and, and see, oh yeah, there's a vineyard right, right down that hill. But also more than that, in, in their knowledge of the role of the object lesson of the vineyard, the vine, the gardener throughout the history of the Hebrew Bible, throughout the history of the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, among others, talked about vines and vineyards. It's important to remember that those prophets and the words that they spoke arose during a time of great threat to God's people. They spent their time warning the people what was going to happen to them if they did not behave, for lack of a better uh, word right now. Just as a couple uh, portions of scripture that may have come to mind immediately when Jesus mentioned the word vine. Isaiah chapter 5, the prophet told a story about someone who built a beautiful vineyard on a fertile hill, doing everything needed to create an ideal setting for the vines. But the vineyard failed. And the owner then said, when I expected it to yield domestic grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? He then tore down the protective wall and hedge, let the vineyard become overgrown with briars, and commanded the clouds to stop raining on it. So there was a direct uh, correlation between what was being said there by Isaiah and what was going on with the people of God. This idea that God had given their ancestors this promised land. And as a result, he expected growth. He expected a harvest. And instead, there were wild grapes that were, that were growing. And, and so the, this, this removal of the protective hedge, the, uh, the, uh, uh, what, what is being alluded to is clear, right? Hey, judgment is coming because you have not produced what God has expected from you as his vineyard. Later, Jeremiah told listeners... Yet I had planted you a noble vine, holy a ripe seed. How then are you turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine to me? So again, same type of object lesson and maybe even the same message ultimately. Jeremiah was using the familiar story to warn the people to stop worshiping foreign gods. Many years later, Ezekiel 
tells the nation, your mother was like a vine in a vineyard transplanted by the water, fruitful and full of branches from abundant water. The mother in Ezekiel's writing represents the land of Judah. At that point, under direct threat by Babylon, because of the behavior of the people of Judah, it was cast down to the ground. So throughout the Old Testament prophets, when vineyard or vine is mentioned, especially vineyard, the idea is it is uh, the people of God in the land where God has planted them. And then if there is a judgment coming, it's usually, at least in, this, in these passages, it is usually as a result of the fruit not being produced. Just one more in the New Testament in Matthew we read how Jesus used the vine and the vineyard in a parable of how the vineyard owner's sons, remember this story? Vineyard owner's son was killed by those who were supposed to be taking care of the vineyard. Various servants went and they killed them and then the owner says, well, let me send my son. And the son goes and he too is killed. Obviously the direct correlation there is Jesus. So throughout the passages of scripture, there's mention of the vineyard of God. So the disciples, as they're sitting here trying to take notes on all Jesus is saying, and you can imagine maybe Jesus' pace of his diction begins to speed up as he knows time is growing shorter, and, and, and he mentions vineyard, and they would immediately have recognition of, of maybe what he was talking about. But his message was a little different. His message is, I am true vine. I am the true vine. So let's unpack just very, very briefly. There is a an incarnation into the vineyard from which or by which the source changes. As opposed to the vineyard just being planted and then awaiting growth, awaiting fruit, from the vineyard, from the people of God, Jesus adds an extra layer. As opposed to the people of God being left to themselves, at least to some degree, reliant on their own devices to come up with fruit, Jesus inserts himself within the vineyard of God's people. We naturally think of what we started with in John. That Jesus, the Word, tabernacled among us. What is it Eugene Peterson says in the message? Moved into the neighborhood, I think. Huh? Jesus is reiterating that teaching right here. I am the vine. And then because of that, the fruit, the fruit is, is, is simply a result of the branches being connected to the vine. The branches aren't, like I said, just left to themselves to, to try to sprout a grape. Huh? Instead, the whole idea is to stay connected to the vine itself. And as a result, Jesus says in John 15, fruit just can't help but be produced. 
<laughs> Our focus, though, sometimes turns to what Jesus says in, in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. This idea of pruning, taking away. There are various interpretations in terms of what that means. I think in being conformed to the image of Christ, in being connected to the vine, that there, that there is a natural pruning process that takes, that takes place. Paul describes it as crucifixion of the flesh. Paul was a little bit more uh, direct, <laughs> at least in terms of this, this portion of, of teaching. I think most often the pruning that occurs in our lives occurs through the circumstances that we experience. Where that sense of self-reliance, we learn, has to be put away. Because it's just not going to get the job done. We have to learn to... to maintain our trust in Jesus and and in who Jesus is. Sometimes, unfortunately, though, this verse, rather than taking an inward kind of a first person, how does this impact me? This verse has been used, I think misused even, I would say, to think about the pruning of the vineyard more than the pruning of the individual branch, the pruning of the vineyard as a whole. It's been misused as a commandment to to separate ourselves from those who do not produce the fruit that is seen as being appropriate for our vineyard. And of course, we don't go so far as casting them into the fire, right? There can at times be kind of a casting aside those who we would view as sinful or unclean not in keeping with the vineyard that we believe God is in the process of maintaining to find the wild grapes to use the Old Testament prophets phrase so that we can make sure that they are cut off from the vine so they don't corrupt the rest of the vineyard I don't think Jesus expects us to worry about that. Jesus repeatedly used the word abide, even in this passage. Abide in me. Quick search of the dictionary points out that there are two primary definitions for the word abide. It can mean to continue without fading or being lost. To keep going. But it can also mean, and maybe it's not used quite as much in this uh, way anymore, to withstand, or tolerate, or endure, or put up with. I think to use it in a sentence, so I, I, I can't, I can't, or I can, I can't usually, I can't abide this anymore. I can't put up with this anymore. While it's true that Jesus does say more than once that 
branches that do not produce fruit will be removed. It's important to note, he never once suggests that it's a responsibility of other branches to do the pruning. It's clear. While there may be some pruning of wild grapes, and at some point, it's not our job. We are to leave that to the hand of the owner of the vineyard. The vine grower, the one who has the ability to measure the value and the fruitfulness of any vine. This teaching on the vineyard and vine is a story of everyone being connected together rather than cutting off and separating, segmenting. Because it's when the parts of the vineyard are all connected that the best fruit is produced. All of the different parts of the vineyard, the soil, the roots, the vines, the leaves, as different as they may look, they each have value in making sure that good fruit is produced. If there are unfaithful branches, it's not our problem, it's not our focus. Rather than trying to find those branches that need to be cut off, it's our purpose to stay connected to the vine to work together to produce the fruit that the vineyard owner planted us here to produce. May we do our part to encourage growth in others as opposed to <laughs> trying to prune them. Huh? And most of all, to stay connected to the vine. Amen.